Hello and welcome to Bonner's Brew. I'm your host, Jeremy Bonner. In my first season, I focused heavily on the experiences of women. This season, I wanted to shift to that of a male perspective. The American symbol of justice is Lady Justice. In her left hand, she wields a sword representing punishment. In her right, balanced scales representing fairness. Her face dons a blindfold representing impartiality in the judicial system. But what happens when that system fails to provide impartiality? Today, I'm joined by Gonzalo Garcia. Gonzo, as he goes by, has served in the military for 20 years and has two 18-year-old daughters that he hosts a podcast with. It's called Woke Apnea. Today, I brought him on the show to talk about his journey through fatherhood and father's rights. Gonzo, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Jeremy. It's exciting to be uh, breaking the uh, gender barrier there. I'm like the, the Jackie Robinson. That's right, man. Like, <laughs> absolutely, man. You're the first. You're the first male um, that I have hosted on the show, and I think it's one of the more important topics that we can talk about because I'm sure so so many men go through this, yeah. but I haven't heard people speak about it. And so I wanted to do that. And I, and I thank you so much for being gracious. But before we get into it, tell me about Woke Apnea. Ah, so <laughs> Woke Apnea. Um, yeah, so that's a podcast that I host. Um, sometimes I have guests on without my daughters, but a lot of times I'll have it with my daughters, or it's just a podcast with me and them. You know, they're 18-year-old twins. They've had a very interesting life, um, which we'll get into a little bit today. And uh, a lot of it is just, you, you know, there's this thing, sleep apnea, which um, a lot of people are afflicted with. Certainly everybody in the military who wants 50% disability is afflicted with. Um, <laughs> and it's, you're trying to sleep, but you have periods where you, you keep waking up. Mm. And I truly feel like I have woke apnea. Mm. I try to be woke. I try to keep up with the times and keep pace with how society has, has changed and how norms aren't norms any longer. Um, but I have periods of unwokeness. Things come up and I, I, I struggle through it. But having daughters, first and foremost, right, that female perspective that we all need, um, and then having daughters that are 18. And they're mm. different people, but they're also seeing things through a lot of, you know, the, they got the same DNA, right? So they are seeing things through the same lens as, as their age. They really helped me through that. Mm. And um, we just we just talk it out. It's, it's a lot of fun. I learn a lot. I like to think that I can teach my daughter some things. And uh, and honestly, it's just a way to trick my kids into still talking to me, even though they're, they're this old. That's genius. And that's what I do. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate you having that uh, podcast because, you know, I'm, I'm 33 now and I can't keep up with the trends. I can't keep up with what's right and what's wrong, what's socially acceptable, what's not. So it's great that that's out there. I appreciate you saying that. You know, it's one of those things where um, I think there's a lot of folks who are very resistant to change Mm -hmm. always. Right. And and it's uncomfortable for all of us. And I think there's a lot of folks out there that are like, man, this wasn't around. You know, people didn't feel like this. People weren't doing this when I was a kid. And I, I truly feel like, no, 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 they felt that way. You know, it's always been this way, but nobody was comfortable speaking. Nobody mm-hmm. was comfortable enough to say, hey, I feel this way. 
And now people are being more comfortable right. in a lot of societies like, hey, I really liked it when you were quiet. Mm. You know, um, at least that's my perspective. It's just one person. I guess one of the real like weird things to see are like our politicians who have been in the who were born in like the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, trying to uh, I wouldn't say gaslight, but sure. trying to seem woke, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. The, I guess the good thing about your podcast is that you can kind of show like what what is what is authentic right. versus what is for show. For sure. You know what I mean? Because uh, politicians have a have a tendency to just take a stance on whatever they think is popular at the time for the vote, yeah. right? Uh, but I. I'm happy to hear about your podcast because it it provides like a it means to understand not just copycat but actually understand what this generation and generations to come are trying to change and embrace. So, Absolutely. thank you so much for that. Um, so let's talk about why you're here. Sure. Um, you were married 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. A while back, I got married in 2000, 2002. Yeah, that's... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it was a while back. Wow, wow, okay. So you were married in 2002. Where'd you meet her? So uh, it's, it's, it's the same story as uh, as a lot of folks. You know, we were in high school. Okay. We worked together, worked at this uh, movie theater, and we uh, we started dating. We were on again, off again, you know, at that time. It was 2001. You know, graduate high school, and September 11th happens. We're actually recording this on September 11th. Um, September 11th happens, you know, 20 years ago, and I find myself in a recruiting station, and I joined the Air Force, go to tech school, and I'm in tech school, and it's, uh, it's lonely times. Um, we're in the intelligence career field, right, so I'm waiting for, waiting for my clearance, waiting for my clearance, waiting for my clearance, and they were backed up a lot at that point, and I'm sitting there alone, San Angelo, Texas. And I'm seeing classes start without me. Mm. And another class starts without me. Another class starts without me. And I'm like, man, you know, this on again, off again relationship that I have, I make a, a decision that a lot of young airmen make. Mm. And I'm like, I think this could work. I mean, also, if I get married, I get out of the dorms, I'm off base, I get paid more. Right. Right. So I make that decision. Um, I, you know, I, I get through school, graduate, go to my first duty station. Before I know it, twins are on the way. Oh wow! And it was pretty apparent, you know, throughout that time why we were on again, off again, right? But it definitely crystallized after my first deployment. My first deployment, I come back, and it becomes apparent that this marriage is awful. Right? It's just a it's a lot of arguing, a lot of, a lot of fighting, and really just not seeing eye to eye. You know, um, marriages are about compromise. You know? And if ideally you want to compromise, you know, 50-50, like you're compromising just as much as the others. Mm -hmm. you, you might have some perfect moments where that happens, but, but other than that, it's just trying to keep it 50-50. And I think re where relationships falter is where somebody's giving, you know, 80, 90%. And the in the other person's opinion, they're not giving anything. If you can't agree on what you're giving or what you're putting into a relationship, it's just not going to work. Mm. And we finally hit 
you know, we, we finally hit that breaking point. Um, one afternoon we're in an argument and the girls can barely speak at this point. Like they can only speak a couple of words. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in the midst of that argument, she made an attempt to get the girls to call me a curse word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that hit home for me, uh, for many reasons, which she knew, um, it's something that, you know, my parents divorced as I was an adult, but they should have divorced when I was a Right. So she knew that in my past, right, when I was a kid, this was something that my mother did um, and that still messed with me that I, you know, told my dad some heartbreaking stuff because mm. my mom asked me to. And when that happened, I, I told myself, I was like, look, this whole let's stay together for the kids thing. It, 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 that's that's not what it's about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because if I continue to raise these kids in this household with both of us together, they will have a horrible childhood. It is apparent. This is not a loving household. Mm -hmm. And it is apparent that I will not be doing right by them. So I made the decision and we got divorced. Wow. Now, uh, going into, going into your marriage, had you all like, discussed like did you do you believe that both of you were in the mindset that this was something that you were in for you were in this for life like or did you make a knee-jerk reaction like i'm not i'm feeling lonely mm -hmm. i'm feeling kind of left behind and i just want to do this like uh when you made the decision did you take a look at like spirituality right uh, uh her family's history sure financial well-being and right. all that environment like what 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 was it that you guys argued the most about like did, if i know it's a two-part question sure but well i was so i can say a lot about it in retrospect right i can look back and i can say bro you were depressed mm. like you were you were in no in no position to be able to make a life decision like this right you know um and you can look back and get angry and be like, hey, why, why didn't some people in my life pull me aside and be like, hey, <laughs> you, you guys weren't even together when you joined the Air Force. And now you're over here in tech school living far away and you want to you get married. Mm -hmm. um, but in that moment, I felt like this makes, this makes a lot of sense. Right. You know, um, you know there's, there were some things that went on early in the marriage um, that... I don't think it's fair uh, to get into and give, you know, just one side of it, but we, we argued early on about some big decisions, um, but a lot of it, uh, and I believe in that. So one of the things that frustrates me the most about my inability to be able to be near my children as much as I wanted to, just because of the justice system with regards to custody is I believe that the most important relationship is that between a daughter and a father. Mm. And looking back on it, I think a lot of the things that we argued about was because my, my, the practice wife, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, her, her father was a deadbeat. Okay. Her father ran out on her when she was young. Her father would be gone for years at a time. See that's, and that's, and that's family history right there. Didn't pay child support. Right. And when this dude would come back into her life, which I witnessed a couple of times, mm -hmm. right, where he would come back in and want to be a part of, seemingly, 
you know, for a little bit of stint. I mean, it was open arms. It was like, my dad, we got to go. We got to go visit him. We got to do this. And I'm like, the same dude that you haven't talked to for your, what? Right. So like, to me, there was always going to be this skewed version of what a man is supposed to do um, from her perspective, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think my first deployment in her mind, that was me walking out. Oh, wow. So, so, so she's looking at you serving your country as like, she's kind of equating that to what her father would do to her. I mean, it, in retrospect, it all just makes so much sense. Right. (laughs) You know, um, you know, there was, there was a point where we were doing mediation, right? Which mediation is this is this great thing. Um, we had been divorced for years, but do, we were doing mediation, and this was brought on because I had to get an order of restraint. Oh wow! Um, because we had a we had an agreement in place for a visitation. I had just worked moved mountains to get stationed in San Antonio, where the girls were li- where the girls were living at the time, so that I could be with them and see them every week, right, and just be be around them. And uh, she wanted to pack the girls up and move to another city. Just after you had gotten that win. Right after I got I got there. Right. And we had all these stipulations in place, right? But the law is pretty hazy when it comes to somebody already is living 100 miles away, right? Over 100 miles, visitation changes completely. You, you don't get them every weekend. Right? All these other things just kind of kind of changed. She knew that. I got wind of it and had an order of restraint. Like, you can't leave, right? She had planned to leave that weekend. And then we had mediation. And and there were some things that she was saying through that mediation that were just so off the wall and, you know, hurtful that the person who was holding, you know, the the mediation, so this is is an impartial person. And this Mm -hmm. impartial person ran the law firm that her lawyer um worked for Mm -hmm. and like my lawyer was like i know what it seems like but this dude he'll he'll shoot us straight Mm -hmm. like i know what it seems like but and he stopped the proceedings and he looked over at her current husband and he's like i hope that you are taking notes as to what this woman is saying right now and what Mm. she what she is trying to do to this man because if you think that this is some special case and this can't happen to you you're out of your mind Mm. So I say all that to say there was a very skewed version of what I was providing versus what the perception was, right? And that perception is everything. Mm. So they say, yeah, there's a saying in the military, perception is reality, right? So um, so take me through what what you perceive to be, or what you believe to be. The, in, the injustices or the impartiality that you experienced in, in, the, uh, in the system. When you, you, you decide to get the divorce, you get your lawyer, you go to court, what happens next? Was there anything that you experienced through the process that you say, you know, this really isn't right, this really isn't fair? Sure. Yeah, um, you know, it was never even up for discussion that I would have custody of the children. Wow. You know, that was never, that was never a thought. It was like, you guys are getting divorced. 
So she'll have the kids. Now we're just talking about how often you can see them. And so is, is that is that something that the judge was saying? Like, is that or is that something that's, that's the system? Wow. That's that's how the system works, you know. And I'm sure that it was. It didn't help that I was active duty military, and you know they, they had that you know going for them as well. But it was not even a discussion. There was no doubt about it. And even after the decision was made, right, yeah. and we go through everything, right, and we decide, all right, I'm going to get the kids. I'm going to see them for this amount of time. I'm going to fly them out. We're going to because they're young at this point. They're not. It's not like we're, we're running them in and out of school. Right. So I'll have them, I'll get them in the CDC, right? Like, well, I'll have them. I'll just be single dad in it. Just mm -hmm. like your single mom in it. I'll right. do that. No matter what happened, you know, there were instances where the girls were left alone during the day as super young. You know, if you listen to the early episodes of our podcast, the girls opened up about that and told me things that I hadn't known about them having, you know, when they were like, four or five years old, you know, different colors for written on things for when they could eat certain things throughout the day, just being left alone. Wow. And when I would find out about these things, or the girls would hurt each other because they were left unattended for long periods of time, or they were put in, you know, a substandard care situation. Um, anytime that I would, that I would bring that up to the court, right. They were honest with me and they're like, look, you're going to spend $46,000 to get a judgment. And in a two-month period, if she can say that she's turned things around, she's going to get those kids right back. Wow, that is nuts. So by default, the system is like children go to the mother. Yeah. Even if the mother appears to be unfit. Sure. Right? And so were you, let me ask you this, were you able to provide proof? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the children... Even that they're, I mean, the children told me, you know what I mean? So, so the girls know what's going on, right. you know? Um, and there were instances where, you know, she was, I would have to talk, you know, with guys that she would date, mm -hmm. right? And I'd pull this, I'd pull them aside and be like, hey, so this woman that you're with, she's going to be making some bad decisions. That's on you. She makes bad decisions that affect my children. If I don't hear from you about it, that's on you too. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to threaten them, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to be like, look, you're the man. Yeah, you're culpable. You're culpable, right? You're the man in the house, right? Absolutely. And I remember one time I got this call from this guy. This guy was a real piece of work, but he did call me, and you know they were they were out at his family's house um, in some other city, and he called me. He's like. He's like, Gonzalo, you know, um, you told me to call you if anything's going on. We got into a fight. We've been drinking a lot. And I just want to let you know, like, I did reach in and I grabbed the keys and I'm not letting her leave. But she was trying to get in the car and drive back to San Antonio. And she's way too drunk to be driving back to San Antonio with the kids in the car. So in that sense, like that, me having that conversation, I believe like help them out of that situation. But I had a guy, you know, right there. Now, of course, before we, before we ended up hitting mediation, it turned out this dude had a whole other family. <laughs> like this dude had a whole ass wife and kids <laughs> that he was hiding from, from her. And man, even after she found out, 
She still she still wanted to be with this dude. Oh, that's crazy. Even, even with the wife being like, leave my family alone. Right? So she has a pattern of this. Oh my God. It's is insane. And and and, and <laughs> for our listeners, this is in no this is just the, this is the story that Gonzo is telling. We're not sure. bashing women, not all hey. women who get divorced are making 100%. poor decisions, but this one particular. 100%. Oh yeah. my God! It is, it is not the case. I know many. I have, I have many friends. Unfortunately, they got divorced. I have many friends where it is the exact opposite. It is dudes doing this. It is. It is not. This is not solely on women at all. Gotcha. But um, yeah. Uh, the thing that hurt me the most too is like, and this is something you don't really talk about too much, but man, you know, the girls knew my current wife for a long while as like my buddy. That was sometimes be around us mm. you know um meanwhile this dude and he wasn't the first they had been dating for like six weeks or something like that and i, I get the message like hey i think it's really confusing for the girls so i'm wondering if like they could start calling him dad <laughs> i was like well, oh my goodness you don't even know, know this dude and they have a dad <laughs> like what are you talking about so yeah, um, so yeah, the uh, the injustices are, are definitely there in the system, you know. Um, yeah. Were there were there any aspects of the process that actually worked well? Um, is there anything that should not be changed about the system? Well, gosh, you know, I think it's I think it's enforcement, right? Like, because there's a lot of things with the with the system that could work if they were enforced. You know, for example, the attorney general's office, they're supposed to enforce visitation rights, mm-hmm. right? But the only thing a police officer is gonna do when your kids don't get dropped off for visitation is make a report. You get the report and I've made 20 police reports for not getting my kids when I'm supposed to. And you know, the cop shows up and he knows me, right? And he's like, yeah, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, here's, Here's the divorce decree. Here's the marriage agreement. Here's where the kids are supposed to be. And as you can see, they're not here. It's like, all right, I'll make a report. And then you pile up a bunch of those reports, you know, like fun coupons, and you go to mediation, you go to court, and you're like, hey, can I can I get my kids? And there's no recourse for that. You know, meanwhile, if I were to miss child support payment. Oh my gosh, you'd be you'd be there there'd be an, a warrant for your arrest. <laughs> right, right. You there's possible that you your taxes would be sure. garnished. Sure. Yeah. You end up could eat in some states I think you'd end up in jail. For sure. Which and is counterproductive, right? Because like, if you're in jail, how are you supposed to pay your child support? Which is funny because and this is not to say that there aren't guys out there that are rewarding their responsibilities, because there definitely are. Mm-hmm. Right. But for people like me who pay over 190 consecutive child support payments, never missing one. Mm-hmm. But the amount of time, I, I never, and I say never, I never got my children on time, mm-hmm. ever. And sometimes I didn't get my children at all. So how do you make plans? Like how, how do you balance, well, I'm, more than likely I'm not gonna get my children on time. Like how does that affect your extended family when you want them to spend time with your extended family? But it's it's awful because you know your your mom wants to see or your cousins or whatever they want to see your kids and you're like, hey, I'm supposed to get my kid at four o'clock p.m. on Friday, but they pulled up at midnight, right? So now I'm so the, putting, day, the day's gone. They're in bed. 
right? We're going to wake up tomorrow morning. I got them Saturday. I still got to get them back to her 1 p.m., 2 p.m. on Sunday because if not, I don't know what that's going to look like when a dude is keeping children from the mother, right? So I got so many waking hours, you know, so to explain that to families is really, really hard to do. Yeah, and it's almost, that's almost, um, it's not even passive aggressive to do something like that. It's, that's on, that's outright, it's as if she knows right. nothing's going to happen to me, yeah. but if you were to do that, oh my gosh, right. it, you know, they, they would be quick to, sure. I'm sure a lot of like Amber Alerts and stuff yeah. like that yeah. are, are really just mothers who, <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, I, I can imagine that a lot of times when you see an Amber Alert go out, it's really just a disagreement between <laughs> between parents. You know, not that they're not supposed to be taken seriously, but yeah. I can imagine that sometimes it's just the police are being weaponized against uh, yeah. a, a parent who's trying to do the right thing. I can't really speak too much on that, but I will say like, it's embarrassing to pull a police officer off of their duties out there protecting us mm. to come and spend 30 minutes with me writing a report. Right, when when the when the judge has already provided yeah. uh, because typically when you violate something that a judge yeah. says that you must there's do, consequences. there's consequences, right? What Whether that be a fine, whether that be jail time, whether that be community, there's there's a, a, a recourse. Sure. But what do you do when there's there's no fear. There's no. There's no motivation to to do right. Well, it's just like anything, right? And that's why I say um, when you say, you know, what is right? Mm. What is right is the office of the attorney general has these stipulations. They're supposed to enforce, you know, visitation. They even they even tell you that lack of child support payment is not a means to deny someone visitation. Mm. That is clearly outlined. But just like in the military, if there's no accountability that is not a real law. Like that is not a real stipulation. Right. Accountability is everything. Right. You know, we went a whole year here where the girl, they just refused to send the girls to Germany. So Alexa and I got together this, this portion of the cost between 10 and $12,000, right. Um, for us to finally get everything set up to where like we're enforcing <laughs> This agreement, mm -hmm. by penalty of law, the girls will come the first time they're going to get. You will get their passports that I gave you money for. You mm -hmm. will get them expedited that I paid for, right? And that all had to get forced, you know, at, at, at the threat of the judge. And they were supposed to come here a couple of Christmases ago. And that was going to be their first trip out there. And I had everything written in you know the girls have to get you guys got to get to the airport three hours beforehand you got to do because i knew it was going to be something right and one of the saddest moments of the girls lives mm. if they tell you was that day and i'm talking to them and i'm like you guys haven't left yet and it's two hours from the flight and i'm like you guys you guys are still at home you guys need to get in the car it's like we're ready. We're packed. It's just we have to wait because of blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right. So you're getting in the car. Yeah, I'm getting in the car. Y'all live 45 minutes from the airport. I know that. Right from DFW. Thanks. I'm like, you guys are not going to make it. They get there at a time where I'm like, they're not boarding yet. They're in line. 
and I'm calling and I'm like, tell your mom <laughs> to tell the people at the front counter that you need to get checked in and you need to go. Right. I'm like, ah, there's, and I get her on the phone. She's like, there's only a couple of people in line. I'm like, it's not going to be a problem. Well, they didn't make the flight. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking to the girls and they are inconsolable. Like they can't get words out. They thought they were going to see me. They're going to come to Europe. Mm -hmm. We had a plan to go to Paris. Like we were going to be doing all these things, right? And they couldn't get out. And luckily, that was a turning point. We had spent so much money to get there. That was a turning point where the same judge who ordered that I get visitation was the same judge, thankfully, who picked it up, who picked up the case when they didn't. Mm. Make the plane. So now, so now you have you got pushed against mm -hmm. the order of this, the very same judge, yep. and that's good. That's good for uh, for for this cause of keeping keeping. What's the word that I'm looking for? Continuity. Continuity. Right. Um, that's wonderful. So what what was his reaction like? What? How did he react to that? So it was a so it was a female. Oh, I'm sorry. My my, my apologies. And she's. Fantastic, right? Okay. So first, there was this whole thing like, I can't believe they're gonna go to Germany. Like, it's dangerous. There's terrorists. There's like all this stuff. And uh, luckily, this judge as a kid had a father who was stationed out here. He's like, they're gonna love Germany. They're gonna love Christmas markets. It's gonna be amazing. So I already kind of was feeling empowered that this was gonna go right. And yeah, she levied fines. Right, all that you're gonna do this, you're gonna do that. If if we find out that you don't show up early for this next flight, right, which you're gonna pay for, mm -hmm. right? Um, if, if and we're back, uh, kind of got cut off a little bit there, but please continue continue with what you were saying. Sure. Yeah. I mean, long story short, on on that portion is that we um, we got the girls to come out. We got the girls to come out. We established that they could come out safely. We established ground rules and, and guidelines and exactly when they were going to get dropped off, how they were going to get picked up, who could pick them up, who could drop them off. Uh, a lot more stuff than you would expect would have to get written down. We had to make sure that we wrote down. And, um, and then we got the girls that summer. Nice. You know, we got the girls that summer. And, you know... Uh, a year later, um, a lot of stuff was going on in that household. Um, and the girls started bringing things up. Now, I'm not going to dig too much into it. Um, but, you know, I talked to my folks. I talked to local law enforcement there. We opened up child protective services cases, right? One of my daughters said, I'm going to go live with y'all. This is a very, very, very difficult decision for me to make, um, to have the girls separated from each other. I've told them since they were babies, you are the most important person to you. <laughs> you are the most important person to you. Right. Everyone else in your life will ebb and flow, but you guys have to look out for each other. So to then have to make the decision because of the atmosphere in the household, the decisions that were made, their relationship was awful. 
with each other. Mm. And one of them came, lived with us, lived with us for two years. And just at the point where we were like, you guys can live back together, it became apparent that that household was, it wasn't it. It's toxic, it become toxic. So both of them lived with us their senior year out here in Germany. And, you know, throughout that time, like, it's the best year of my life, you know, for going 17 years, basically, and not really having them with me for a year. Because even, even when I had them when I was married, I was, you know, deployed. And it, it was just the best, right? Um, I, like I said, I feel like the most important relationship there is is between a daughter and a father. And just to be able to be there with them, support them, and to have a wonderful role model for a strong, independent woman in my wife, right? For them to see that daily, right? For them to interact with a woman who doesn't need me, <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, we need each other, we love each other, right? What if for some reason, I wasn't around. She'd be all right. And I think them seeing that, them seeing a woman who is not completely dependent, was very, very important um, for them to for them to see that. Yeah, because it kind of it seems as if like it, it. If I can make an assumption, it sure. would appear as if your ex needed to have a man in her life at all times, right? We talked about the father issues earlier, but. For your sure. girls, I can imagine how that made you feel when you have such a wonderful woman showing them that, look, you can do this by yourself. You don't need to have sure. a man in your life and not, like not, not in a romantic way. Like you, sure. can, you can accomplish things on your own merit. And so right. that must have been beautiful to see. So, I mean, I, I can't speak too much as to, you know, what's going on in the inside of, you know, the practice wife's mind. Right. But I will say that um, my my wife, right, Alexa, is, you know, a beautiful, intelligent, independent person who definitely doesn't need me. Uh, I, I need her. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm kind of a house cat. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't know what to do in the wild anymore. Right. Um, but not only showing them her example, but also showing them my example. Because, okay, I've got this great woman that's in the household. That's fantastic, right? Well, what if I treated her like garbage? Mm. Right? What if I, you know, completely disregarded, you know, her opinion? What if I dismissed her? Right? What if I took her for granted? What example would that be setting for my daughters? Right, who were like, oh, you can be great. You can be independent, you can be, you can be smart, you can be all these things. Um, and still the best that you could, you know, hope for is someone who dismisses you. Mm. That would be the example I'd be showing. Right. So I had an opportunity and a responsibility to to show them that that's not the case. That makes sense. Makes sense. What what protection mm -hmm. do you feel 
fathers need throughout the a throughout the process in a situation similar to yours? I can definitely see the reason that that question gets asked um, because of how unfair the system is, that the question gets posed in the form of father's protection, right? But I will say none. I will say equality. Neither parent should have particular protections. It should just be looked at equally. These are both parents. Well, what, what, what would make it more equitable? Man, so it's funny. I was thinking about this on the way in, um, that, exact, that exact thought. And I was like, maybe it should be, maybe judges when they're dealing with custody shouldn't even see the people, right? Maybe it's parent A and parent B, parent Z and parent Y, and you get a profile and you get the, you get the facts of the case and you have attorneys and they're, and they're there and they're talking through and you're like, hey, parent A has these means and these discrepancies. Well, and see, <laughs> one could argue that all cases, no yeah. matter it's a criminal case, civil case, all of it should be yeah, maybe lawyers, judges, the, yeah. the defendant and the plaintiff should never be seen because then, you know, we have issues yeah. of bias and, For sure. and partiality in, in, in yeah. the system and in our society, right? Yeah. But how much cleaner would it be if the the judge would, they, all they heard, all they could all they could see was nothing and all they could hear were the facts. Yeah, they're just right. hearing the facts and they're looking at a Twitter egg. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I think that would be that would be pristine. That would be great. Uh, do you think that uh, that women can help change the system? And if so, how so? And that's tough. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, thinking of these things in, as gender specific is kind of hard for me. Um, so I don't know if there's anything in particular that, that a woman or that women kind <laughs> can do. But I will say this. Let your kids see their fathers. Let your kids see their fathers. Of course. Like, I've, already, I've already said it three times, but it is, it is incredibly important. I think one of the most evil things that someone could do is deny a parent to be able to see their children. Right. You know, so when you talk about the system, you know, in addition to the, the Twitter egg, right, um, looking at individual capability in the justice system, right, individual capability to actually parent um, child support payments, right? That should, that should be a little bit more complicated, right? In Texas, you pay, you know, 20% of your pay, 5% for every additional kid, right? You're like, okay, cool. What if I see my kid half the year and I'm housing my kid and feeding my kid half the year? I still have to give my money over to somebody else, which makes me have less money to be able to provide for my kids. Right. You know? Um, so there's, there's a lot of things that the system could do. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't really think about it as much as, you know, gender specific, but I will say, let your kids see the other parent if you're divorced. You know, one of the things that I considered, my mom and dad weren't together when I was growing up. Mm. And I think one of the most insidious things a parent can do is to bad talk the other parent. 
mm. in their absence, right? Mm. Uh, because it paints a picture. So imagine sure. you're keeping your kid from seeing the parent, or you're showing up late and not allowing, not allotting enough time for that right. child to get to know the other parent. Yeah. And then you're painting this false narrative sure. of who that person is. Yeah. That's almost worse. That's almost worse uh, than than just taking a child support check and just doing whatever with mm -hmm. it because now you're tearing down the reputation of the parent. Right. That's a little bit more dangerous. Sure. The long lasting effects of that could be, I believe all men or all moms mm -hmm. or all women are this way. Sure. And this is how I should treat a future partner like that could that could do a great deal of damage yeah, and so times. so now now that we're here the girls have now left germany they've gone back to the united yeah, states yeah they're adults how are they how are they faring well you know you touched on something there that that i'd like to speak on first which is you know how you talk about or how open you are about some things with it is with that other parent it is very very difficult you know i'll blend your two things together the the child support that you just talked about and then um talking about the other parents like it is very difficult to look your kid in the eyes and be like <laughs> like i don't have the additional funds to give you what you want right now because I'm paying a hefty piece of child support and you don't have the things that you want because that child support is not being used on you. Right. So what is that? What is the, <laughs> the perception from the child? And you're not the child. But right. I would imagine that if my parent told me that, yeah, I'm not thinking about the little idiosyncrasies no. of child. What no. I'm seeing is a parent who, who in my mind mm -hmm. cannot provide. Yep. Right. I'm yep. looking at them like, oh, this dude is as bad as my mom is saying that he is. Yep. How like how in and that's just it's a really weird side, especially with like you know younger in my career. So now I'm doing all right, right? But but we know young enlisted folks don't make a lot. Of money. They don't make a lot. That's right. A lot of young enlisted folks out there with families are they're on food stamps, they're on a wig. Spoiler alert out there if you think it's super sweet out there for your young enlisted men in the military, but they they qualify for it for assistance for sure they do if they have families. And when you're paying, you know, as an airman, right, 750 a month. As a young NCO, thousand dollars or more a month. Good low, we don't have it. I'm reaching in my pockets. I don't I don't have much left, right? Um so like, when you say, how are the girls now? They're beautiful, they're intelligent, they're out starting their lives, but they have scars, you know? They have scars because of that household, they have scars because of their feelings about, you know, maybe what the priorities were for their mother comparative to, to them with the man in that house, right? Um, I'll tell you, when they were putting in applications for college, the the question that was asked on the essay for for Texas uh, applications for school was um, name any significant challenges 
that you've had throughout your high school career that have, you know, impacted you and, you know, shaped you. And both of them separately, right? Because they lived separately for a couple of years there in their high school experience. Wrote about how things were in that household. Hmm. And to read, because you're proofreading an essay, I'm like, oh, I'm just looking for grammar and stuff. And right. you're reading both essays and they're being honest about how they were in an abusive household and they're quoting quotes from things that they were told in that household. And they're remarking now at their senior year about being in our household and they're holding up that they have three meals a day, that they're told that they're loved, that they're hugged. These are not remarkable things but these are like the sticking point at the end of these essays. And it's heartbreaking. It is, man. It sounds just, as a father, it must be like the, the weight of, of, of having that on you, not having control in the system and then reading what they experienced. And I can only imagine like feeling like your hands were just bound. You know, the reason that we do this thing Right. The reason that we break our backs and do these jobs, right, um, which, you know, I love my career. I wouldn't call it a job. But I do all of this to provide better for my kids than I had. You know what I mean? Like, you know, my father worked a lot. He traveled a lot and he was in jail a lot. Right. So I didn't see him a lot. And I didn't want that for my kids. And in spite of all of my wants, they didn't have me as much as they could, mm. you know, in spite of all of my wants and all of my means, they didn't have the things that I wanted to provide for them because I had to shell out money to the attorney general and then they get doled out and then there it is. Right. And even through all that, you know, when we finally got custody, right. When we're there, in the breakout room, and this is all through Zoom at midnight, right? I'm there in my suit on laptop, you know, because of COVID, trying to trying to get everything through and, and everything, you know, squared away. You know, her attorney, when we get to the point of like, hey, you owe thousands of dollars to me. Thousands of dollars, not, we're not talking about one grand, right? Mm -hmm. In back child support and this and that, right? And their attorney confidently is like, the judge is gonna be super sympathetic. You have a mother here, cause she's got another kid. She's not making a lot of money. She makes, you know, less than whatever thousand dollars a year. Like the judge is gonna be sympathetic. Like you're not gonna get what you're asking. Like you're not gonna get what you're owed. And she said that confidently and she was right. She's right about the system, right? Now here I am active duty military, right? Like in a couple of months, I hit 20 years, right? Serving my country, pulling my daughters out of a child protective services case household, right? And I am not the sympathetic one when it comes to the system. She was right. So 
it's interesting how like at long last, everything on the table, everything black and white, realistically, um, I'm still just a dude out here, you know? And, um, you know, it was great to have the girls, you know, here because it, it was the, the proof is in the pudding, right? What I always said when we were young, cause I would tell my, my parents this, cause my mom would be like, cause my mom, for all her faults, right? She loves me. She loves these girls. My dad left at the drop of a hat, went and drove and picked the girls up from, drove from San Antonio out to Fort Worth, picked these girls up, right? Um, and I would always tell him like, she has them now, but I will have the stronger relationship with them when they're adults. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't you tell him this or why don't you tell him that? And you know, there were times of weakness where I did divulge facts, right? Because I'm like, you, all right, you got to know this, I guess, <laughs> you know. But I always knew that if the girls, you know, once they were adults, we would have that strong relationship mm -hmm. that we have today. You played the long game. It's the long game, you know. Um, but I, I had the breathing room to do that. You know, I had a career and I had, you know, a loving, when I say we spent that amount of money over the years, I don't even want to tally it up. So I did that on my own as an airman and a young NCO. But since then, Alexa has gone 50-50 with me on court fees, on retainers, mm. on legal fees, on plane tickets, like... I literally could not have done it without her. Hell of a person. I would not have the money to be able to get my children to live with me without her. Wouldn't have had it. I wouldn't have had the means to get my girls out of the situation without my parents. It's a, it's a family, it's a family effort, right? It's a family affair. Um, so I couldn't have done any, any of this without them. Right now the girls are uh, doing great. You know, they're, they're doing school. One of them is doing like a 13 month cosmetology program. The other one's in school, um, trying to pursue a degree to help kids out, um, psychology degree. And they're with my mom, you know, uh, back in San Antonio. And they got my sister there. They got my dad there. You know, they got so much family supporting them and they know they are loved. They have scars, but they know they are loved. That's how the girls are doing. I know that that was a long answer to your question. No, it's perfectly fine. Uh, and that's what we're here for. I, I want to hear the story. I want to, to, to get your perspective. So there is no rush in this, <laughs> sure. right? I'm interested in what you're in. I'm sure there are many people um, that, would, that want to know the story so that they know how to fare, which kind of rolls into my final question. Mm -hmm. And it's trifold. Is okay. there, number one, is there anything that you would have done differently uh is there any particular way that you would knowing what you know now is there anything that you would have done to prepare and if there's a young person out there that's getting ready to go through something like this or is going through anything like this what would you say to encourage them yeah that's a tough one so for me personally like what would i go back and change knowing what i know now um, I can't mess with my past. 
you know, I got wonderful, talented daughters, um, a loving wife that strengthens me. I don't want to Ashton Kutcher this thing up. <laughs> I don't want to butterfly affect this. Right. Um, so, so I can't, I can't change a thing, you know, um, because it would alter too much. Um, so I wouldn't change anything for myself. For anybody out there who's going through a stage of this, um, I'll say one thing. Just like many things in life, many challenges in life, you can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. I couldn't do this without Alexa. I couldn't do this without my folks. You know, my sister came in and like housed one of them for a week in the transition while we were getting everything court ready before we sent her out here. Um, lean on people, lean on agencies if you need to, but lean on someone. And I would say out there as well to folks who are around someone who they know is going through a situation like this. Ask them if they need help. Hmm. Try to find them help, right? We've said it a lot lately. It's been more apparent that just because someone carries it well doesn't mean it's not heavy, hmm. right? So you see somebody going through something, ask them if they need help. And that's deep. Lighten their love, right? And if you're going through something, it takes courage, but if you're strong enough, you ask some people for some help and you can get there. I got there. I never thought it would happen. Um, it probably would have happened sooner if, uh, if I had asked for help earlier, you know, but again, it wouldn't change anything. Life was good. Beautiful. Well, Gonzo, thank you so much for, for coming onto the show and providing your your experience, man. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough for this. Um, make certain if you're listening to this podcast that you check out Woke Apnea. Uh, and uh, yeah, man, take care. And we ho I hope to have you back onto the show. All right, for man. Another story because I know you're full of them. Yeah, I got. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I, I loved your first season. Uh, I, I'm sure I'm going to take this second season. And uh, man, you got a lovely household here. And thank, thank you for offering me a delicious, the most delicious stout on the planet, Hercule Stout from Belgium. Uh, it's a class act you got going on over <laughs> hey, here, man. man. I appreciate it. I do what I can. Yeah. I do what I can. Thank you. All right. Until next time. Thanks.